This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books, and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Go to Blinkist.com slash Nomeet to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Nomeet to get started. This episode is also brought to you by Vistro. Vistro is a nationwide 100% plant-based meal delivery service. Visit TryVistro.com. That's T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O dot com slash N-M-A to try the six most popular meals for just $49. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Ooh. Ooh. Happy Halloween. <laughs> nice. It's a pretty good <laughs> spooky voice. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I've been working hard on it. Yeah, well, it is Halloween. The day this is published, yep. the day we're recording, is one day pre-Halloween, but it certainly looks like Halloween out, and it is dreary and fall-like, and uh, it's going to be rainy spooky. on Halloween. It's going to be rainy and spooky on Halloween. I know. It's going to be... I'm a little disappointed about... It. They're, like, calling for thunderstorms and stuff tomorrow. Yeah. Evening. We just had a rainy Halloween here. Like, I feel like... I don't know. Two, three years ago, we had one that really, really was very rainy. And it was yeah. cold and not that nice. I remember a few of those when I was a kid, just wearing a giant hockey costume, <laughs> like with the wool socks, those huge, thick hockey socks, and they're just soaking wet in rain. <laughs> and, and it's being miserable. Rain, I don't know. It's funny. It just it seems to rain frequently on Halloween, at least this part of the country. Yeah, while. yeah. So hopefully it'll stop enough for people to get out. You know, I kind of, I'm, I was like super, or I am really very excited for Eliza to kind of have her first Halloween experience. Right. See other kids dressed up, so I don't want to... And her parents dressed up. And her parents dressed up. You don't want your Olaf costume to get soggy. I melt, know. What, I don't want to walk around with a big wet Olaf head. <laughs> no. It's worse than wearing <laughs> a dry Olaf head. It's a giant like fleece costume with this huge like padded... I'm sure it's just I saw like, it. Oh, oh, yeah, you I saw, saw that it. picture. Uh-huh. It's like a creepy Easter bunny costume, but it's a snowman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, good. Well, good for you. I, I, you know, I didn't even consider dressing up this year. Uh, I guess I don't. I, I did it that last year, but not that was only a last minute thing. But uh, I guess I should you be thinking wind, about that. Wind sucked out from your sails after after making Ellery cry last last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. You know what? I'm not a big Halloween fan anymore. I'm just. I just, <laughs> I just don't like the whole pumpkin carving bit. I'm just. We, like, we didn't even do it this year. We just, we have pumpkins, and mm-hmm. if, like, if the kids don't ask too much, we just don't bring that up. Yeah. Because it's, I just hate that mess. I'm getting ready for your favorite holiday. <laughs> yeah. Black Friday. <laughs> that, that one is. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Halloween will be good. It'll be fun. I, I'm not, I'm not a Scrooge about Halloween. It's just, I don't know. I could, yeah. I could be okay without it. Um, But my kids are being, uh, Holden's costume came yesterday, or no, two days ago, and it is... Spider-Man, the new okay. Spider-Man, Ooh. the Miles Morales Spider-Man, which is like a little more, yeah, I, don't know, I don't know, just a little more modern street Spider-Man kind of thing. Okay. Not such a, not such a big fancy getup. It's sort of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ellery's going to be Rapunzel, which is just her favorite Disney character. All right. That's the post-Frozen movie, by the way. That's what you'll be into next. Tangled. Rapunzel. Rapunzel. Tangled will be after, after Eliza gets a little bit more... She'll, she'll get over the thing. She'll be into princesses, but over over that, 
mm-hmm. and tangled is what you put on at that point. Okay. <laughs> it's good. Right. It's actually a good one. Look forward to it. Um, I did. I just found out that there's a Frozen Two coming out or out or something. Is it? Is it like Olaf's whatever Olaf's Winter Wonderland or whatever that thing is? I, I that I just literally know nothing about it. I was just telling somebody that we were the Frozen characters, and they were like, "Oh, are you excited for Frozen 2? And I had no idea that it was coming out. So. I didn't. I mean, Disney doesn't. They did like the Lion Guard and the, the weird Lion King sequel, but like mm. never was in theaters. I don't know. It seems like they don't do sequels unless they just are weird. Go right to right to dvd yeah but i don't know maybe maybe this is different i think it's going to theaters i mean maybe not i really i don't know i don't know <laughs> terrible <laughs> story sorry <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh we we've got an interesting topic today a first. i guess so i mean it's it's the first time this has happened this is the first it is a first it's gonna hurt our credibility a little bit i think i know i think we had you as gonna... ultra marathon champion <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's gonna it was a blow to my ego and i'm sure it'll it'll be deflating for everyone else here i just i just knew it <laughs> <laughs> but you well this is this is a whole topic in, in and of itself we, you didn't really publicize this race all over the place i didn't right nope so but, I mean, should I, should I share a little bit about it now? Yeah, give it. Let's tell. Give us what happened. Okay. All then right. We'll, so then we'll get all the background. I di- I didn't talk about it much. I don't. I don't. I have actually been talking about it for years, but didn't uh, didn't talk. Didn't tell that many people that I was going to do it. Didn't mention it on the podcast. I don't think at all. Um, but uh, there's this run, this route from Mount Pisgah to Mount Mitchell, which is about a 67 mile route that. Um, Every year, a group of runners here uh, organize a little kind of group run to, to link up the two mountains. It, it follows a, a single trail, so you don't have to mark the course. There's no official aid or anything like that. There's uh, some water that gets dropped along the trail, and then you kind of, it's pretty self-sufficient. So not an official race, but an organized group run um, along this route from Pisgah to Bell Mitchell. And um, I set out to do it this year. What's that? Called Pitchell. Called Pitchell, yes. Very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I set out to do it this year, and I was I was pretty excited. I was going to finally do it. It's something I've been talking about doing for a long time. It's kind of a rite of passage for ultra runners around here, I feel like. Um, you know, it's just kind of one of those things that comes up, whether you've done Pitchell or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was going to be my year. And I, I kind of intentionally didn't advertise it very much because I wanted to leave it pretty low-key and just do it and have it be done and... You didn't burn the boats. Well, but I kind of, I mean, so I actually thought a lot about burning boats <laughs> while I was out there in uh-huh. the middle of the night by myself. Um, and I, you know, I, I didn't burn the boats by telling everybody, but I did burn the boats. I mean, I, I don't know if I really, if this is considered burning the boats or not, because anytime you start a race and don't actually reach the finish line, it's a failure. But, um, you know, it, even though, so I, so what ended up happening was I failed. I DNF'd my first ever DNF in a race um, or a long run, an organized run. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I pulled out about the halfway point. There's uh, You kind of park your cars in a big parking lot right around 32 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I reached that parking lot. You start at midnight, and I reached that parking lot right as the sun was coming up. Well, whose idea is that, to put the put your cars at the halfway point? Well, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. um <laughs> 
tempting. And I think that's probably a lot of the problem um, <laughs> for a lot of people quitting. <laughs> but it, it like it makes sense. So the Folk Art Center is the halfway point, which is kind of right where you would get on the like is is the park entrance to the parkway between Black Mountain and Asheville. So that's mm-hmm. kind of just the like main meeting point. Right. Most obvious meeting point. And then we all shuttle up to one end and then there's a shuttle at the other end when you make it, when you finish it and you get a ride back to the, to the middle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, it like logistically, it makes tons of sense. Right. And it offers like, that's kind of the one aid station you can rely on because your car yeah. is right. there. Right? right. So you can just throw a st- bunch of stuff in there. Yeah. I had a ton of clothes and food and kind of everything that I would need for the second half of the run uh, in there. But then I also got there and it was gone uh, or I was done. And, um, so <laughs> I thought you were gonna say your car was still my home. car was yeah. gone <laughs> no that would be a good reason to quit i really <laughs> that was the problem was i uh i i got there right at sunrise and i just didn't want to go forward and so i had to had to call it quits or i didn't have to i did call it quits uh-huh. and and um yeah now we're about two weeks removed and i've kind of thought a lot about what happened and mm-hmm. what went wrong and where my mental capacities were at the moment um but it's a little disappointing and a little embarrassing that I didn't finish. <laughs> well, I mean, so I, we should dive into this. And, I mean, we should focus on that, really, more than anything, is, is the failure part. Because that's the interesting part, since you haven't done it before. And we talk a lot about these ideas, like like the whole burning the boats thing, which, if you didn't hear that, was an episode we did maybe two or three weeks ago. And the idea was that you, you can sort of, at least there's this sort of older school personal development mentality that was that was the way you guarantee success is by making failure not an option so you burn the boats Mm -hmm. if you want to take the island that's the idea burn the boats if you're trying to you know came from some war reference i don't know yeah but anyway um so we talk a lot about that kind of thing and goals and motivation and all that stuff so good topic i think interesting one um first of all what i how how much did you say how long it is total 60 something 67 miles yeah okay it's a pretty long race yeah, it when is. You told me you were doing it. I, like I, I, you had told me a long time ago that you were planning to do this, and I just kind of forgot about it because you really weren't talking about it very much. Uh, and then you just told me the, the other day. You said, "Well, I'm gonna do this on Friday," and it was like, "Oh my god!" Like that. I don't know. It just, I guess, compared to 100, <laughs> it just seems like not a big deal race. But compared to what I'm doing every week, 67 miles sounds like quite a bit. Yeah. Right. And I think uh, so. I, I, I think that that was part of the problem. Is I kind of went into the wrong with the wrong mindset of like. Well, it's not a hundred miler, right? You know, I, I can pull this off. Um, but I mean, it it is it has eighteen thousand feet of elevation gain. It um, you know you, you you start at midnight, so you're running through the night. You and the reason you do that is so you can finish because the park on the other side at Mount Mitchell closes at at dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to get off that mountain before dark. So you have to they you know they that gives you twenty hours basically to to get from one side to the other. And, um, you know, most people are doing it in like 15 to 20 hours is kind of the range, uh, mm-hmm. that people are, are finishing in. And, um, you know, so they, they give you that, that much time so that you have the ability to get off the mountain. And if you don't, if you don't reach it to a certain point before, um, it starts getting dark to where you don't think you're going to finish, you have to hike the six miles back down to the parkway, um, or four four and a half miles back down mm-hmm. to the parkway after right. you finish, and so yeah. you're adding another four and a half miles on, and you have to like the shuttle's gone, so you have to arrange for a pickup. You know, right. so really you want to get there before it gets dark, and so yeah. there is this cutoff, 
Um, and when you're not moving well, that is definitely looming in the back of your mind. Right. So this would probably be a better question to ask at the end, or I mean, in, in many circumstances. But I think, to me, it will help sort of help with <laughs> deciding just how to, how to approach this whole thing. When you mentioned it to me first, that you, mm-hmm. when I said, how, how the pitch will go, and you said, didn't finish. Uh, and you said, but I... I guess it almost sounded like you were you were pretty happy with that decision. I mean, you weren't proud of it, but you said it would have been a terrible day out there on Saturday because yeah. I think it rained all day long. And I forget what activity I did that got that got rain soaked, but it certainly wasn't running that far. Uh, <laughs> but it was something. I remember saying, "Wow, it was rainy day Saturday." So yeah, and that would have been really miserable. Um, so I mean, when you hit your car and decided to stop did you already know that like did you know that for 10 miles saying just 10 more miles left and then i can be done with this miserable thing i got into yeah like did you had you already know it wasn't so much like getting here like oh my gosh i see my car i just can't i'm just gonna give up like this that just looks so good in there right right or was it more like you had kind of figured out and been thinking about it for two hours like this is just not happening and tomorrow's gonna be worse and you know it's sort of being a practical decision Mm mm-hmm yeah and see that was the interesting part and it's it's partly why i was a little bit at peace when i probably told you that i had mm-hmm. quit um but also it's uh it's kind of what has haunted me the most and been the most disappointing kind of thinking back on it ever since i ever since i dropped was um i gave up about an hour and a half in um mm. i i gave up with at like tw- at mile 12 essentially and didn't quit until mile 32. Right. Um, but I was, you know, we started at midnight. I ran with somebody for about 10 minutes and then kind of was on my own. And um, just progressively, as I got more and more kind of tired and sleepy, you know, because I, I always struggle in 100 miler, I always struggle in those like 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. time period. That's like always my lowest points. Mm hmm. And there I was by myself in that time, um, you know, having just started this run. And so my legs felt kind of fresh, but my body didn't. And, I, you know, I had a full day of work going into that. I didn't get a chance to take a nap, put Eliza down for bed, and then went out and did this thing. And um, and I just started by 2 a.m. I was mentally writing the text to Katie telling her that I was that I was dropping <laughs> and uh and then I started thinking about you know because a, a few of my my friends did know that I was doing it and I started thinking about how I was going to tell them and then I started thinking about how because I actually didn't have a car I, I rode out there with somebody else and had my stuff in someone else's car okay um and so then I was trying to figure out and I knew that he was going to keep going because he finishes every year um mm-hmm trying to figure out how I was going to get home and like all the logistics of, of showing up at this place at six o'clock in the morning or five thirty in the morning, um, in the dark or in, in the cold. And, uh, and so just kind of like, but I was checked out. I was checked out by 2 PM or 2 AM. I was done mentally done. And mm-hmm. then I, because I was done, I slowed way down and, um, and it, you know, it took me and took me until seven in the morning, at least 7.15 maybe, uh, to get to that 32-mile mark uh, at, at the Full Guard Center. And that meant that that for the next five and a half hours, I knew I was going to drop, but still had to get there. Right. Um, and that was a constant battle of disappointment in my head of like, why are you being so weak? Why are you giving up? There's no reason to. 
at that night, the weather was perfect. I knew that the rain was coming and I knew it was going to be miserable in the afternoon, but that night the weather was perfect. You know, my stomach was fine. Like I didn't have any excuses at all. Um, except that I just didn't want to do it. (laughs) And there I was, you know, at three o'clock in the morning all by myself, you know, in the middle of nowhere, not wanting to, not wanting to do it. Just wanting to to be home. Well, I mean, I think that's certainly relatable because that's, I mean, that's why I think a lot of people don't, don't run ultra marathons because they don't feel like (laughs) running that far. It's, I mean, some people think they can't, but most people could if they really wanted to. Uh, and I think a lot of people even understand that, but they just, just don't because it's just it's just too miserable mm-hmm. um so i mean i i get all that for sure uh why so i just but why i mean did, you knew you were gonna be tired right it, yeah if, if you get tired so how so like what what was it about that that said this is this is not i mean it, it doesn't sound like it was anything that you didn't expect to happen except right. that you didn't want to do it yeah and so i think that that a couple things happened um, going into it. And, and the biggest one was I didn't start in the right mindset. I And I, this is kind of going back to the burning the bridge thing um, was leading up to it. So I didn't tell that many people, but you know, a few people knew and, and if I, you know, I told a couple of people and I, you know, as listeners to the podcast or anyone who follows, follows me on Strava or anything like that knows that like, it was only a couple months ago at most, that I started kind of training more seriously again. Um, mm-hmm. And so the thought of kind of jumping right into a big run like this uh, was premature for sure, but this is when the group was doing it and I wanted to do it and, you know, it just made sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but anytime I would tell someone, they were like, oh, like, how are you feeling? I was like, well, you know, I'll get out there and see what happens. And if I make it, I make it. If I don't, you know, we'll see. And mm-hmm. And I kind of like brushed it off as well if i drop like it's not that big of a deal in my in my head i knew that i was like oh i'm not gonna drop you know i'm, I'm not someone who drops i, I <laughs> uh-huh. not, nothing against people who do like i understand their situations that, that that happens but like yeah um you know i'd kind of always prided myself on being able to kind of suffer through anything mm-hmm. and um and you know but i kept telling people that i wasn't that it would be okay to. And I think in the back of my mind, like I was beginning to accept that as well. And then on the mm-hmm. shuttle ride up there, everyone was kind of telling war stories and um, uh, people who had done it before. And so many people, like, I can't tell you how, like, I mean, there were maybe a dozen people who were in the shuttle with me and almost all of them were like, oh yeah, it took me three years to do it. You know, Volkar is just, in that car, just, it's so hard to move past that in the morning. <laughs> so, in, and so I was like, leading up to the start everyone was kind of telling me oh yeah you know it took me a while to get it done like it's okay if you drop basically they didn't say that but you know but right they were kind of implying that and um and then i'd you know been telling people that it would be okay if i drop and so by the time we started i was thinking well it'd be okay if i drop (laughs) you know (laughs) right like not you know i didn't really think i was going to but uh, i think that that was that was in the back of my head and so when when i got tired and um and lonely and this was the first time i'd run through the night by myself before, which I, which, uh, was a learning experience as mm-hmm. well. Um, when I got tired and lonely, I think I just mentally gave up. I just, my heart wasn't in it. My head wasn't, wasn't there. And, um, you know, it, it made me realize how, how wildly important before you do any sort of big race, whether it's something like this or your first marathon or your first 50 K, how wildly important it is to convince yourself that you're going to do it be certain that you're going to do it and um and not you know not like have this 
not not have quitting or, or dropping out or dropping to a shorter distance or something like that be an option because as soon as it is an option and as soon as it gets hard you're going to start thinking that that's what you should do yeah yeah that's really interesting um i think i mean i think it's even i think there's even a difference there between you said being certain you're going to do it which to me implies being confident that you can do it um but i don't even know if that's what you're talking about i think there's also the idea that you have to finish right even if mm. you can't even if you're like because you you could be you could be really afraid or fearful that you're not going to finish but also convince yourself that it is just not an option and i guess i guess then you wouldn't be fearful anymore because you would say i have to but i think i think that's a, a big thing like just just having the mindset that it is not okay not to finish which i guess mm-hmm. could get dangerous right because then you could you could keep going when you really shouldn't for some reason right. but yeah um I think that's a huge, huge deal. And it's interesting that you, that like, you've always had the idea that you could finish any rate, I mean, anything you got yourself into uh, and would. And that just, you just say something enough times and then you kind of start to believe it, which is that it's okay to, to right. stop this. Yeah. And, and I think, like, like, going back to this, I have to finish. Um, I, well, I mean, I, you know, <laughs> what I kept thinking about was, how how convenient it would be to stop this one whereas most like if i'm doing a hundred miler i probably paid a lot to be there um Uh i've you know i've always had a crew for 100 mile races yet i haven't always had crews for you know shorter races but you know i've always had a crew for 100 mile race i've always had pacers like people come out and support me and they're inconvenienced you know a lot of some of them travel out there and you know they're having to give up a lot of their time and um and, you know, the thought of, like, quitting when I don't have to just because I'm mentally checked out right? and inconveniencing all these other people and wasting all this money and wasting all this energy. And now, like, putting the – now that I have a family, like, putting, you know, all that on my family and all the training and all that stuff, like, that just seems like it's not an option. You know, yeah. as long as right. I can physically get to the finish line yep. without hurting, like, long-term damage. And that's what that burning the boats idea is, right? Mm-hmm. You, yeah. just, you just create a whole lot more pain around the idea of of quitting so that you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's really, I don't know. It's weird. I mean, it's it's like, it, all the things you're saying sounds like that's all true. That like, it it wasn't that big, a, it's not a big that big a deal to quit this one. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it was convenient enough to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I So I have a one DNF myself but it was ex- it was very similar circumstances in that it was like a i think it was training run for i was treating it as a training run for the boston marathon and it was just my long run and i kept telling people it's like it was a two-loop course as well two-loop 50k mm-hmm. so you know 16 miles or so you you can quit um and i just kept everyone said what do you you know what, what's the plan and i said well I'll just i'm treating this as a long run if i if i feel great i'll just keep going but i'm probably gonna stop and and like I said that, but five miles in, I knew there was no way I was going to pass mile 16. Like, it just, <laughs> why would I? I mean, never in my life have I had a run where I felt that good that I would just say, this is so much fun, I'm going to just keep going. <laughs> right, it was just, right. it, there was no chance of finishing uh, with that mindset, which is fine because it was training for a race and I honestly didn't care. I didn't, wasn't embarrassed about it. But it was the same thing in that, like, you just, you talk about it enough and if in your mindset you don't have to finish, then you're not going to finish. Yeah. I mean, you're really not, like, I guess I guess maybe you could be such a great ultra runner that, and you're so good at going slowly that it 
just brings you joy to be out there running and it doesn't it's not miserable at all uh and in that case maybe you'd finish when you don't have to but i, I mean i just yeah it just seems like if it's if it's even an option because because i think you quit even when it's not an option i'm sorry you you people quit yeah even when it's just not an option people still sometimes can't get themselves to finish sure. it's just too oh, it happens it's all the just time. too yeah. much and you have to stop finally after mm-hmm. this long long battle with yourself so to come in with the idea that like yeah well we'll see right you know right. of course you're not gonna finish right which yeah. i mean which in hindsight easy to say that you, you wouldn't have i wouldn't have said that to you going in because i didn't didn't know going in but now now that you see it happen it's like well of course yeah right right <laughs> yeah so but so uh, well, well so so i think that you know, as far as like moving forward, there are a couple of things that I would do differently. Because I, I mean, it's still something that I really want to do. And and it'll always be an option to quit, right? It'll always be this free race. It'll always be a car or some sort of support that's like down at this, at the Volkart Center. You know, right. it'll always be convenient, you know, but it's still something that I really want to do. So how how can I move past this and come into it a little bit better next time? But before we get to that, I think we should uh, take a second to thank our sponsor. Matt, this episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is brought to you by Blinkist. As you know, it's one of my new favorite apps. When you don't have the time to read, you Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Eight Eight million people are using Blinkist right now, and they have a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, and history books. Uh... Just the other day, we were out with some friends, and someone brought up the "How to Change Your Mind" book by Michael Pollan about um, about the psychedelics. Yep. And um, I had just, you know, as as I think I said on a couple episodes ago, I just listened to that Blinkist, and so obviously I hadn't read the book, but I could be but part you pretended of the conversation. You read the book. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't. I didn't hide the fact that I hadn't actually read the book, but I could, I could be part of the conversation, which actually yeah. felt, you know, I mean, like that that feels good, like to have. A, just the stuff you need to know from a bunch of different books that you yeah. can, you know, have something to contribute and be part of a conversation when people are bringing up some sort of uh, topic that's in a book. Like, I think that's, it, it was really quite helpful. Yeah, I think it's great. I think the whole premise is great. Uh, even even as a an author of a nonfiction book, I can tell you that for the most part, <laughs> you just need 10% of that book. You don't really need the whole thing. Uh, yeah. You know, you got to fit, you got to fit the guidelines and make it a certain length. It's just part of how it works. But uh, I think I think ten percent is all you need. That's right. And right now, for a limited price, for a limited time, Blinkist has a very special offer for the No Meat Athlete audience. Go to blinkist.com/slash/nomeat for a free seven-day trial and save twenty-five percent on your new subscription. That's blinkist b-l-i-n-k-i-s-t dot com slash nomeat to start your free seven-day trial. And of course, anytime you use one of the slash no meats on an ad, you're you're not only supporting, you're not only getting that awesome thing, but you're uh, you're supporting no meat athlete so go to blinkist.com slash no meat and save 25 percent. this episode is also brought to you by vistro vistro is a nationwide 100 percent plant-based meal delivery service in fact vistro is the number one plant-based meal delivery service in america that's because they are quick and easy there's no prep work chopping or cleaning involved all vistro's meals come right out of the freezer and can be heated and served so you can enjoy a hot healthy and delicious meal whenever you're hungry Vistro meals have no added preservatives, they use organic ingredients, and they're fresh frozen for maximum taste and nutrition. They will keep in the freezer for up to 10 weeks, but ours didn't because we ate them way faster than that. Since they only serve plant-based meals, they're really good at it with satisfying meals like country fried chicken, I didn't get that one, my kids stole that one, Tuscan calzones, enchilada casserole, 
red curry and lots, lots more. That's chicken with an apostrophe, of course, Doug. Not right. Not, uh, not Vistro's not making chicken because they're 100 plant based. Yeah. Vistro offers free shipping on all orders, and right now you can try the six most popular Vistro meals for just forty nine dollars. Visit tryvistro.com slash NMA. That's T-R-Y-V-E-E-S-T-R-O dot com slash N-M-A. There's no commitment. You can pause or cancel anytime, but you only get that $49 deal at tryvistro.com slash N-M-A. Matt, speaking of ads and um, chicken with an N, apostrophe mm-hmm. N, uh, last night I was watching a World Series game and, and a commercial came up for... Um, it was like people grilling is like a traditional like meat kind of like men style uh, commercial where people are grilling and drinking beers and, you know, being be men. bros or whatever. Men's style commercial, yep. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, what, what advertising things Snapping towels on, on each other. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it was for a plant-based meat burger. Oh, it yeah? It was for a brand that I'd never heard of before. I can't even remember what it wow. is, but uh, yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Was it was it a plant burger? The one that I got at, at uh, Dave & Buster's? I don't think so. I think no. it was like Life something or Leaf something. I don't know. Okay. Wow, um, good. That's amazing. Yeah, I know. It's cool. It really is. So, so. failure. What? No, failure. Oh, back to failure, yes. <laughs> well, so before we, we talk about uh, all the stuff you mentioned, which mm-hmm. is important. Yep. It sounds so like you were kind of okay with this decision you said would have been really miserable Saturday had I kept doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, now two weeks later, is it the same? Are you feeling like, well, yep, that was the right thing, and I'll get them next year, or is it just the super embarrassing thing? Now you have to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, of course, not talked about it on the podcast. That was the beauty of not right. mentioning it before running on the podcast. <laughs> right. Um, no, so you know how we always joke about or maybe maybe i always joke about how you know i I finish you finish like a a big ultra marathon and you're just super satisfied but you're like oh man i'm never doing that again and then a couple days later you're like thinking about doing it again Uh right um this is kind of like that except that uh, you know i didn't finish it right so um even even that day even after i like went home and took a nap and i woke up i just had this regret i was like you know, there's just, my body was fine. There's no reason to quit except for not wanting to be out there, which is a legit reason, I think. I'm trying to convince myself of that uh-huh. anyway. Um, but there was just not, there was no, like, I have no excuses. You know, the weather might have been one, although it wasn't raining when I when I stopped yet. Um, right. You know, and just, I had, I had no excuses. And so now kind of looking back on it, I'm still kind of dealing, struggling with that. I think it, I think it probably was the right move at the time. Um, it allowed me to have, a pretty good weekend with the family uh on you know on sunday uh when i wouldn't have been able to do that anyway or mm-hmm. if i had run um so i think it probably was the right decision but i still like struggling with the fact that i just i stopped for no <laughs> right no reason no like legit excuse reason yeah well i mean you said though that what you're trying to convince yourself is a legit reason is that you just didn't feel like being out there and in the circumstances you described where nobody really cared if you did this, right? No one had invested time into this. Mm-hmm. You hadn't spent money on it. You just were doing it because you like running, I think. I mean, I guess you also were doing it because you wanted to do this rite of passage sort of thing. But 
if aside from that, if if you were only doing it because you like running, then then of course, if, you, if it's not not you're not having fun doing right. it or not right. feeling good about it, then yeah. then that's a perfectly legitimate reason, and no one really, you know, there doesn't even have to be consequences of that. Sure, it could just be well that you know I ran that far of that day and I didn't didn't complete the race, but whatever. Yeah. So, uh, but I guess if instead, if your view of a of a run like that is every one of those things is a test to see if I have what it takes, mm-hmm. uh, have that mental fortitude, you know, can can be someone who can endure anything. Then then there's a discussion of whether it's a legitimate reason. But like, I don't know if that I don't know if it was that for you, right? It might have just been you wanted to go go enjoy this thing, and it wasn't yeah. that enjoyable. I mean, I wanted I wanted an adventure. I wanted you know I wanted to. I you know to enjoy it right. right. I wanted you know a big day in the mountains, mm-hmm. and, half, um, and uh, yeah, and I got the adventure part. <laughs> yeah, but it just didn't quite look like uh, look like what I thought it would be. Yeah, then I'm saying legit reason. I think it's fine. You think it's fine? <laughs> I think <All> it's right. <laughs> good. Well, good. You're the arbiter of legit. Yeah, I am. Reason, now so I've decided it's okay. So you can go on with your life. Thank goodness. Uh, Okay, but do you, I mean I don't know. You called this your first DNF, mm-hmm. so it's somewhat more than that. It wasn't just you viewed this as a as a trail run that you stopped doing at a certain point because yeah. you were done running. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, do, like did you did you have a certain pride and like that you had never quit something that that oh could big time be viewed as yeah. a race? Yeah, yeah. And it, I mean, it's not something I probably never voiced that at all. But in the back of my head, you know, um, big time that I kind of thought that when it came to hardships with running, I could kind of get myself through anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, when when my identity now is different than that. <laughs> um, yeah, but I mean, you still if you if if you wanted to maintain that identity, you could right by just saying that I didn't have to get through this one. Like it didn't mm-hmm. it, this wasn't. I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't an official race. I mean, you know, you could, it was, you could definitely yeah, construct ways to keep that if that was what you wanted. But who knows? I don't know if, you, if that's good or not. Well, um, but but that's that is a hundred percent ego, right? I mean, that is like yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's uh, <laughs> unless is, unless if that helps you, if that is something that you kind of can fall back on when it is really tough, right? If that identity, because right. we'll do a lot to maintain identity, people will. Mm-hmm. So. If that's your thing, and if during the next time you're in a hundred miler, if at mile seventy it says, "Well, you know, I, this wouldn't be my first DNF, so I right. I could probably just stop because I don't feel that good." Yeah. Uh, but but that identity probably helps a lot of people. At, sure. And so I would, you know, maybe you do want to construct a, a a lie that you believe, which I mean, you know, not in a bad sense, just construct something that you can you can say, "Hey, well, I've never quit an official action race, and I'm not going to do that today." Yeah. Well, obviously, it wasn't that strong of a <laughs> of a motivator. <laughs> for, for, for the future, it could be. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. Now, 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 it could be like, well, I have quit. You know, I might as well do it again. I guess that's kind of what you're saying. Right. Right. Um, okay. So, what? Uh, I mean, if anything, well, I guess there are two questions here. First of all, if you really wanted to finish or regret this, then what would you have done differently to ensure that you did? Uh huh. Uh, and the other question is, is would you do anything differently, like looking back? Or is it like this just happened now, it was going to happen, and that's just what happened? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so I'm not sure I would have done anything differently, um, but I will do something differently next time, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, I yeah. think this I think this was a good experience for me to have. I think it was a good 
kind of test and also just learning experience for me. I mean, I think, I think failure is important and, um, you know, it's not like I haven't failed at reaching certain goals during races, but at least I've always reached the finish line. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, uh, you know, I think that this kind of, I don't want to call it a setback, but you know, this kind of failure is, is important. Um, so, you know, I don't necessarily regret that I did it the way I did, but I, you know, I think that that mindset is just so important. And that's something that I've talked to with coaching clients, you know, plenty of times, something we probably talked on this podcast plenty of times about. Um, but, you know, kind of preparing, walking through the day and the night ahead of time in your head and preparing for what it's going to feel like and wrapping your head around what that's going to be like um, and how you're going to get through the low points and kind of setting yourself up for the suffer that's going to come from a race like this or a run like this um, ahead of time so that when you get there you're not shocked by it mm-hmm. uh, I think is is gonna is just so is so important and I didn't do any of that stuff I didn't I didn't do any of the typical prep that I would do ahead right. of a of a big race mental prep uh, or physical prep really. well, yeah that's I was just gonna ask that did you did you actually train for this or were you just doing your normal running maintaining mileage and then this came along and you just did it. I mean, you were thinking about it anyway, but were you like, cause that's, that's perhaps the biggest investment there is when sure. you do a hundred or 50 miler. It's like you put all this time, the past 18 to 26 or maybe more weeks have been about this. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, that, that makes it really hard not to do the, you know, mental rehearsals and, and sort of envision so many times how, what it's going to feel like. And, you know, like when you don't, so right. without that, like it, no wonder. I mean, so did you have any of that or was no, it? No, I, I didn't, I didn't have any of that. You know, I, yeah. I just kind of started ramping up my running a little bit. I did one long run that was kind of intentionally mimicking what the course is like, lots of up and down mm-hmm. um, and some bigger climbs. But, you know, that was kind of the extent of it. I even thought that it was a weekend earlier until like the week before <laughs> or two weeks before the, the run. You know, and so I just like I didn't I didn't go through that whole process of training and build up and thinking about it and yeah. and you know focusing on this race and, and investing energy and uh, you know thoughts and and you know everything that comes with training. I didn't I didn't put any of that. I didn't invest any of that into this. And um, next time I'm gonna do that. I mean, next time because I want to do this and I want to do it well and I and I don't want to just stumble across the you know up to the top of the mountain. Um, I, I, it's something that I want. So I, in order to, to be able to do that, I need to go through that whole process, the mental process, the physical training process. I yeah. need to go through everything that it would take to do, to have run a successful hundred K, you know, a tough hundred yep. K. Um, and, uh, and so, so that's what I will be doing next time. And, uh, so that it is more of an investment, you know, it is, while it still won't be a financial investment and while it still, you know, won't be putting my family out that much. Like it'll still be an investment of my time and my mental capacities. Yep. I think that's probably the biggest, I mean, for me doing this, just listening to this, it's, that's the big takeaway is like, you can be a great ultra runner, an experienced ultra runner, someone who can handle distances like that, you know, when it's under the race, race conditions and everything, can handle that distance, no problem. But without all that investment, and I'm just mm-hmm. really talking about the, the mental, you know, and the, your own effort you've put forth. Not not so much the, the having a crew there to do. Maybe some people do that. But, like, I think, I don't know, not about the money, not about letting other people down, but about 
having aligned your past six months around this race, mm-hmm. uh, without that, you're I mean you're missing a huge, huge motivating factor to finish. Yep. And I think that's that's a really important thing. I think that's that's exactly right. And and I think that that you know that translates into much more than just like a organized run like this. I mean, I think a lot of people kind of casually sign up for races because they're motivated one day and mm-hmm. then sign up and then don't invest any sort of energy into, into it. And, you know, after that and, um, and, and then they're, you know, concerned or disappointed when they don't do well, you know? Yep. And, uh, being selective, I think on, on the types of races that you're doing and, making sure that you really are motivated to do them, I think is just, uh, is, is really important. So before we go, I'm thinking back to my ultra running days mm-hmm. and there were people in the group that I ran with men and women who were I don't know, 55 probably. And they just constantly kept their mileage up. They would mm-hmm. do 20 miles on a weekend minimum, uh, usually much more. No, no, not usually. Often they would do twenty mile run on on a Saturday, uh, sometimes more, mm-hmm. and they would just pick up and do hundred miles when they came along, mm-hmm. seemingly without having planned or put in any preparation. I mean, they were preparing the whole time, but without having done what we just talked about, put it, making your whole right. life revolve around this one thing for a few months, and your whole focus be about that. Right. How do those people do that? I well, mean, and see, I would have said going into this that I was one of those people, right. you know. Right. Um, and I've never done anything like this long, of course, just kind of on a whim. But I've done plenty of 20, 30, you know, 12-hour runs mm-hmm. um, just kind of out of the blue. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if I have an answer to that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what uh, what quite makes them tick as much to be able to kind of do that, except that unless it's just uh, you just feel that confident in your abilities. Um, right. And I think that's a big part of it. I think I think the difference between them and you is that they were fifty five and had done you know dozens of of hundreds already, mm-hmm. and it was just a you know just a different level of you know experience. We talk about all the time how important that is and how much things just get easier as you have done them more, especially mm-hmm. ultra running. Uh, so it could be that. Could also be just sort of this knowledge that that they know they can do it, even if it's miserable. They they've been through it enough times that they know that they can you know, just, just find a way to put that in some back of their mind, forget about it and just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. It's a good question though. And I'd love to, love to talk to some of those people about that now. Okay. (laughs) But I mean, yeah, I guess I was ready to say, I don't know if you want to be that, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not that. And and maybe that's like, that's okay. You know? Yeah. Right. (laughs) It's okay. All right. Good, Doug. Well, thank you for sharing this thing that is somewhat unpleasant, I guess, to relive, but I uh, think it's instructive for me and for everyone listening to this. So I appreciate Good. it. And yeah, absolutely. I have no doubt next year you will finish this. I mean, really none, because I think you'll, you know, having done this once, this will not be the motivating thing. Right. You couldn't possibly let this happen another time. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Good. Thanks. All right. Thanks for not not giving up on me, not counting me out, not kicking me off the podcast. (laughs) One more time, though. Maybe. (laughs) All right. Ultra Marathon champion, Doug Hay. (laughs) Listen, you you did win a race, and that was a long time ago. 
probably almost no one was listening back then who listens now. Uh, that's but probably 20, true. 2015, I believe it was, you won a 24-hour race. That's right. So that's why you're ultra marathon champion. <laughs> that's right. All right. Yep. Thanks, Doug. Glory days. All right. I'll talk Thanks to you later. later. I'll talk to you later. See ya. All right. Bye.